Welcome to OLWJ Captivation, the podcast featuring boundless superstars and special guests who will provide information on achieving maximum success. I see boundless as not allowing the, you know, things that get in the way, the roadblocks to stop you. You see it and you go, you know what? This is a challenge. And a challenge doesn't mean I'm going to stop. I'm going to figure out how to get through this, how to move forward. In fact, I kind of couple boundless with resiliency. Special episodes of the podcast will center around concepts related to financial wellness. For everyone deserves a shot at financial freedom. Dollar cost averaging, it allows somebody to systematically invest whether the market is doing, you know, the, the market is up, the market is down, okay? And notice I, I didn't say uh, market good, market bad. I just said if the market is up or the market is down. There is no such thing as good or bad. It's just the market. And here's the thing. When somebody gets that education, right, where when we sit down with them and we're able to explain to that, they don't get scared by the ups or the downs. Thank you for making the decision to tune in to OLWJ Captivation. I am your host, Otis Wilson Jr. Thank you so much for making the decision to tune in to this episode of the podcast. It is my sincerest hope that you'll tell others about it so that they can check it out as well. To read my blog or subscribe to my mailing list, or perhaps do both. Visit the website at www.olwjboundless.com. Now on to the Boundless Superstar for this episode of OLWJ Captivation. Victoria Wick is the epitome of the rags to riches American dream story. She immigrated from South Korea to America with her parents having only $30. After a series of corporate jobs, Victoria started her own company in 1989 on a shoestring budget to spend more time with her family. And in a short period of time, she built a multi-million dollar jewelry business with over 500,000 in retail sales. That is phenomenal. Victoria has made a name for herself by showcasing her jewelry on HSN and Shop HQ for a 30-year period. Also, she's an author and she currently hosts the podcast Million Dollar Hobbies. Without further ado, here is a recorded interview with my boundless superstar, Victoria Wick, right here on OLWJ Captivation. Hello, Victoria, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Let's get started by you telling the audience all about yourself. Hi, uh, Otis. Thank you so much for inviting me to uh, this incredible podcast. Um, So my story is that I started my life here in America as an immigrant um, from South Korea. My parents came here thinking that America is 
a uh, land, promised land, where all dreams come true. All of my parents' money got taken away. I mean, they were frozen in both countries. We didn't know anyone. So they worked um, two jobs each, and I rarely saw them. And, um, you know, I was the oldest of the five kids. Basically, from that point, um, you know, I learned to speak English, went to college, did all the supposed right things. And then at some point, when I realized that I was working just crazy amount of hours. I started my little company back in 1989 to really primarily to spend time with my family and be parents with, you know, sacrifice so much. From that point on, and I started my company with literally no money, uh, from that point on until I think 2017 or so when I, um, you know, when I did my bio, I had uh, generated over $500 million in sales, and that's my story. So let me ask you this. In terms of the aspect of generating the income that you have generated, how long did it take you to do that? In the beginning, I'm so glad you asked me that. In the beginning, um, I, I'm a real goal setter. You know, I, I like to kind of like figure out what I'm working toward and what do I have to do to get it. And I want to be, I don't want to burn myself out. So in the beginning, I thought to myself, if I could make 2000 bucks a month, I could, you know, I never thought about owning a home or you know, I had a used car uh, that my ha father had bought me by that point. And it was like, um, you know, pretty used. <laughs> I think he, he got it for like 3000 bucks or something. And even back then, that was really low. And um, I thought, you know, if I could make two grand a month, I could pay my rent I could, you know, feed my family. I may be able to save a little bit of money for their, you know, like a college fund for, for my kids, you know, because they were very young at that point. So $2,000 a month was my goal. But if I thought to myself, like, what is my American dream scenario? What if everything goes well and everything goes my way and I luck out? Like, you know, what can I do? You know, what's my, like, dream scenario? My dream scenario at that time was like 3000 bucks a month. I have to tell you, within... The first 18 months, I did the first million, which was, that was hard, but I, I did that. Impressive. Very, very impressive. And I will say this, you've made some great progress in regards to television. Talk to us about HSN first. So, um, you know, many people, when they look at my bio, think that, majority of the money that I made actually came from the TV appearances. That's actually not true. Um, by the time I was on HSN, by the time HSN actually approached me, um, by the time they approached me uh, back in 94 uh, or so, I mean, I actually got on there in 1998. But before that, because they were a very small company back then, they were kind of like a sleepy little company. They used to call themselves the Home Shopping Club. Right, I remember. And, um, you know, yeah, and I was um, I was at you know Neiman Sachs, um, you know Nordstroms. I was at you know Harrods London, Galleries Lafayette, all the stores around the world before you know, and, and all the duty free stores, and uh, you know thir over thirty different airline um, get, you know like airline duty free uh, in flight programs, and um, so you know I had a uh, global coverage. It, you know, everybody from you know Dubai, Lebanon, all these places. So you know, it, I was on the cover of a lot of different. My products were on the cover of a lot of different magazines because in those days they used to send out like you know, 
couple, you know, catalogs. So uh, they had, you know, contacted me back in, you know, 94 or so. And I wasn't sure that, you know, I'm a very private person. So I didn't want to be on TV. I'm, you know, I, I felt like the TV people, you have to kind of know how to act and you have to kind of know how to fib and, you know, do a lot of uh, ad-libbing kind of thing. And I just wasn't comfortable doing that. So, and I didn't want anyone to know, you know, my life, you know, who I am, or like, I didn't want to, I didn't want any of that, you know, publicity around me either. So I, my products could have publicity, but I didn't want to be on, on it. So it was kind of a little bit of a struggle, but in the end, I said yes to that because, you know, when I looked at the numbers, I felt like, you know, I was traveling to a lot of different countries. I was, you know, like kind of burning, my company was growing so fast. I felt like, at some point, I'm going to have to start spending less time with my children. You know, by that point, they were like in teenage years. And um, I kind of wanted to be there. So I thought, you know, if I can go to Tampa, because all the shows are live, uh, once a month, and I could kind of like start to wind down some of the, the overseas businesses, that I could still have a balanced life and I can still grow my business. Because I felt like the TV industry was really growing at that point. So I took a chance there, uh, mostly because I wanted to travel less and I wanted to, you know, spend more time at home with my children as my business is, you know, kind of exploding all over the world. Um, and it kind of, that also worked out too. Um, you know, they grew, I grew. And um, doing live shows on TV was a real learning experience for sure because it, it was not natural to me at all. When you were on television, on HSN, how would you say the experience impacted your business overall in terms of building a, a relationship with the audience, both on television and off television? I mean, most people would say that, you know, television did my my audience, I guess, in a sense, people related to my products in terms of viewing them on, you know, TV but then there are a lot of people who don't watch TV, particularly HSN. I know a lot of people who did not watch HSN or who do not right, watch it. Right. You know. So how would you right. or what would you say about that? Well, um, you know, you're very accurate on that. A lot of people have never heard of it, never bought anything from it. In fact, I can you know, when I talk to people like younger people, they don't even know what QVC HSN is. I mean they don't know what that is. Like they grew up with you know, never actually experiencing any of it. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I was very careful about and, you know, when I, uh, mentor people, when I mentor entrepreneurs, when I coach people, um, you know, I'm the, uh, co-director of the global society of female entrepreneurs and I get a lot of female entrepreneurs coming to me asking for advice. I would say that, uh, when you grow your business, make sure you have a plan to grow your business. It has to be planned growth, not it has to be controlled growth. Otherwise, you can you're gonna go you're gonna grow broke because you can you know make one mistake as you're exploding your business and then it just kind of bankrupts you. So what happened with me was um, like I told you I had all these other businesses and I was on all the different cruise ships. The only cruise ships I didn't sell to were like uh, Carnival and um, Crystal. There's like two different, uh, you know, Carnival is at their lower end and then Crystal was at the super high. They only had like th three ships at that time. But, I, you know, I had a, a very healthy, diverse business globally, physically, as well as the type of distribution channel. I was in all the major department stores. So when I got to HSN, um, I wanted to make sure that that portion of my business 
was only going to be like 15, 20% of your total business. I mean, I like to keep it 10% because if anybody does more than 20% of your business, they in fact control your business. They decide what you're going to charge, what products you develop, who else you sell to, all that. Because you can't afford to lose 20% of your business in any given day. So you can't afford to lose them. So it's like a golden handcuff. So um, I kind of wanted to make sure that, you know, I still had a healthy business worldwide. Um, the other thing, too, is um, I would say that being on TV really makes you vulnerable because it's live TV. Everything you say is heard by millions of people. And anything you say cannot be unsaid. So, you know, it has to be the truth always. And uh, I mean, you know, if you if I go on TV and I talk about, hey, you know, this is an amethyst. I love this, you know, particular amethyst. And you know, it was sourced in Brazil. It was cut in Thailand. And, you know, there are, um, you know, 2.5 carats of diamonds next to them. And there are, you know, 89 little diamonds that that we have to set. OK, well, if somebody gets gets that home. There's instead of 89, there's 88 stones. Or I say it was cut in Thailand, but some of that was cut in India. Those are all things that could be sort of, you know, somebody could sue you for that. Mm -hmm. And you can't unsay it because the item sells out and, you know, the network doesn't give you enough time to go back and say, well, last month when I explained this, you know, it actually was, it's not a material thing and they, they won't give you that. So you got to be very accurate all the time. But more than anything, it really taught me, um, you know, so we, I'm talking to a blank screen. I don't, I don't see my audience in front of me. I don't have a dialogue with my audience so you know I feel like I'm having a dialogue with them but there is no dialogue you're just really talking to the audience you know they're listening to you the whole time and it makes you really think of well I mean it made me think about like what I'm what am I saying how am I making them feel and um this quote by Maya Angelou um she said, you know, people will forget what you what you said and people forget what you've done, but they will never forget how you make them feel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole art of making them feel special when you're having like a, almost like a monologue, uh, that takes a little bit of effort. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I've had to kind of learn how to do that. And this is one of the things I teach now to, you know, and I do a lot of free uh, webinars. And by the way, all, your whole, you know, your audience is welcome to come to all these free webinars. Okay. But I do a lot of free webinars teaching them this very thing because consumers, it doesn't matter what you sell, whether you're serving coaching services, you're serving hair care, uh, you're selling, you know, food. It doesn't matter what you sell. If they don't trust you and they don't like you, they're not going to buy, buy from you. And the easiest way you can get them to like you and trust you is to really make that customer the center of your world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm on TV, let's say, talking about my jewelry, you know, I'm on Shop HQ now, uh, monthly. So when I'm on TV talking about my jewelry, instead of saying something like, oh, my God, you know, you know thank you so much for... Um, you know, tuning in to my show, you know, last week I was at the awards dinner and I wore this and that and, you know, it, and I got all kinds of compliments and, you know, uh, in fact, um, you know, uh, Beyonce was wearing this on the other side and, you know, you know, it's a lot of the stuff that I, you know, I hang around with, you know, really cool people and I bring you the best of the best of the best, okay, you can say that. You know, that is telling, you're trying to say, like, you know, you're in the know, you, um, you know, this is the cream de la creme that you're providing for them. 
you know, I understand some people, like, they're not ostentatious people, but they, a lot of small business owners feel like they have to let people know that you're a serious business person and you've been to places. Right. But what I would do is say something like, hey, you know, fall is here, and, you know, I know that fall is favorite season for so many people, you know, including myself, uh, because this is when you get together with your families for Thanksgiving dinners, Christmas time. You know, I don't even really care about the Christmas itself, but the, the time you spend with people that you don't normally see all year round, you get together with people that you love. And, you know, when you get together for that, you know, wonderful Thanksgiving dinner, whether you're hosting it or whether you're, you know, you know um, invited to someone else's home, you know, you want to glow and permeate that optimism and that love, and you don't want it to look ostentatious. You want it to be, you know, you want it to be you. And, you know, the jewelry that I have today is stuff that's going to make you feel good, make you glow, make you radiate, and it's going to invite all kinds of conversations because they're interesting. You know, I've done some butterflies and, you know, things like this that, that everybody can fall in love with, and, and they're timeless. And you can spend, you know, 50 bucks on a, on a value pay today, and uh, you can have these wonderful memories. And how great is that? You don't have to break the bank. Now, that presentation is all about your customer. I use the word you like 10 times for every time I use the word I. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that the customer is more likely to buy from you when you make them the center of your world. So I, I think that, I learned how to really do that storytelling well <laughs> being on TV. That's the one thing it just taught me really well. Because mm-hmm. you really, you know, I can see a huge difference in, um, I mean, I think my brand, it was one of the most successful brands, you know, uh, for jewelry. It's probably top five jewelry brands ever in, you know, on TV in, in history. And I would just say that, you know, I was blessed for sure, but also that audience engagement without ever having a real dialogue with them you know, my, my audience is very loyal. They keep buying and buying and buying, and they keep telling other people about me, and then those people tell other people about me because, you know, they feel like I'm relatable to them, that I understand, you know, how they celebrate their Thanksgiving. I understand how they celebrate their summers, you know, uh, because I consistently bring in those designs that matter to them. And that is one of the key portions and parts of business, that's for certain. And, you know, referrals and people talking about what you do, uh, I believe that it's what keeps business going. Let me ask you this. What are the greatest obstacles facing small businesses in terms of growth? I would say small business owners, when you really look at what is the biggest challenge, is sometimes it's just themselves. <laughs> they just have to, they don't know how to get, get, get out of their own way sometimes. Um, you know, they just play these minds, you know, because they're, they're in charge of their own business. And when they think, oh my God, like I'm in charge, I also have to live with the consequences. So if I'm doing something and what if this doesn't work? What if, you know, my customers don't like me? What if, uh, you know, my product launch is a failure. What if I go on a trip and I don't make the sale? I mean, they're, they're, they play all these what-if games. So number one, your mindset is that, you know, just embrace failures, okay? When you do something, okay, let me just put it this way. Um, I'm not a baseball fan. I, I don't dislike it. I just don't understand the game. But um, I went to UCLA, <laughs> And our uh, stadium was called Jackie Robinson Stadium. 
If you look at Jackie Robinson, Babe Ruth, all these people, okay, they're, you know, they're legends. And what did they hit? Like 350, 400 or something? I'm not a baseball fan either. (laughs) Okay. All I can tell you is that they're, uh, I've been told like if you hit 350, you're like a legend. So let's, let's give Babe Ruth 400. Okay. That's about right. Exact number. Okay. Let's give him 400. Yes. That means six out of the 10 times he struck out. Think about that. Yeah. Six out of 10 times he didn't make it. The other four, you know, he consistently made four out of ten if we, if we uh, give him the 400. So he's this, you know, legend in history. Now, if you're not shooting for legend in history, you're shooting for like an A-Rod or somebody like that, you might probably need to only have to hit three out of ten times. So as entrepreneurs, if you consistently make great decisions three out of ten times, you're going to be a legend. But those three needs to hit it out of the park, okay? So, you know, it's okay to, when you do your business, one of the biggest things, because I didn't have any money, I never, you know, by the way, I did all this business with no advertising. When you have no money, you don't have options. And I I really think that was a blessing. You know, I had no money, so I had to find, you know, like just like I had to make samples, you know, I'm gonna give you another story on, on that. Once I started doing my business um, and I got orders, you know, for $5,000, $10,000, $50,000 orders, I didn't have a way to secure my jewelry anywhere, okay? I was living in a two-bedroom apartment in a seedy area. Like, not, I wouldn't say real seedy area, but it was, like, you know, like a borderline or real crime, you know, ends you know, like one block away from me. And so... Those jewelry, um, you need jewelry insurance, you need like jewelry safe. I mean, those things uh, just between those two alone would be like 10 grand. And then you have to also go rent a place where you can house this stuff. And so, you know, I was like, I don't want to get hit over the head with, with anything. I want to take a chance on, on my apartment getting robbed. Uh, that just wouldn't be fair to me or my neighbors. So I just went to the bank, you know, uh, there was a B of A about two blocks away from me and I just rented a safe there. And you know, those safes that the largest ones in a house about $50,000 worth of gold stuff. And it was 120 bucks a year. So, you know, you, you have to kind of, if you have that will and entrepreneurs, I'm talking to you, if you have that will and you know, you have a goal and you gotta, you know, kind of think outside the box a little bit and, you know, it's like if I'm if I'm driving from California to New York, hey, you might take a lot of detours because you don't. It's the first time you're going over there. Um, you might take, you know, I don't know. You might take planned detours. Maybe your car may break down. A lot of stuff could happen to you between now and then. But you know where you have to go. So you know, you got to be kind of a little bit uh, flexible in your mind and not always follow everybody else's path. You can you can kind of chart your own path out there. So I would say, entrepreneurs, when you, um, I, I would say, you know, take planned risks. Like if you launch something, test it first, you know, with your real audience. Today, I mean, back then I didn't have these choices, but today you have a way you can easily uh, test your, whatever your product you have, whether it's a service or you have a physical product. You got Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all these places where you can run a poll. Okay, mm-hmm. if you run a poll, that's pretty broad. Okay, uh, you know you're not talking to your 20 family members. It's pretty broad, and you're going to see pretty consistent feedback. Uh, 
you know, if somebody says, hey, you know, I just wish that that camera you just invented had an on button on the left, and you got, you know, 20 of those feedback, you might actually, you know, consider having buttons on both sides. Who knows? But, you know, you can um, basically test it, and then you tweak based on your, you know, you might want to improve it a little bit. Then you can accelerate. Um, then you can, you know, basically build your product or your service around that. Don't invest all that money until you have a, a way to test that. And today, testing is super easy. Hmm. So once you do that, once you do the little test, you tweak. Um, what happens is, you know, you then, as the entrepreneur, are more confident in what you're offering. And, you know, you've got, you know, a lot of, you know, every time you launch something, you think about it this way. Every time you launch something, it's like a job interview. Think about this as like a job interview. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked for a job for a long time, but when I was looking for uh, a, a job, you know, right out of school, they taught me how to prepare for the interview, you know, do your homework on the on the company, you know, what did they do, you know, who they compete with, all that stuff. Then you have the interview itself. You have to actually show up to the interview acting like you really, you know, want a job. You have to get dressed, um, you know, accordingly to, to their company standards. You have to, you know, answer questions. You, you prepare for that. You actually perform the interview. Then after that, you don't hear back from them. You know, you follow up on it. You know, hey, you know, I interviewed with you and uh, I was just wondering if, you know, if there's anything, you might need any additional materials or, you know, if there's anything else I could do to, um, you know, basically up my chances, you know, I'm more than happy to come for a second interview. Well, every time you, you offer a product, you are asking your uh, ideal audience to hire you for that job. You know, if, you're, if you own a restaurant, uh, if you're a dentist, you're basically asking them to hire you, f you know, to fix your teeth or you know, to entertain you for the, for the evening for the restaurant. When you do all this, you know, um, basically when you launch a product, it's like having that. It, it's not like on your launch day, it's going to be an overnight success. You have to do your homework on your customers. You know, where are they currently buying? What are they buying for how much? And what is their buying preference? Do they, you know, prefer to buy it online? Do they prefer to check out your stuff on your, you know, physically on your physical store and then go and, and order it so that they basically, you know, get, get that shipped directly to their home? I mean, there's all these things you have to kind of understand what they want. Then you actually do that opening day or, you know, when you open your, when you launch your product. And then after that, you do your follow-up. Hey, you know, we launched this product last week, and you, you know, uh, thank you for coming in and asking about this, or thank you for coming in and checking out our selection, or, or thank you for buying it, you know, and uh, here's a coupon for the next, you know, time you visit, or here is a coupon for, you know, any anybody you refer us to. Um, when you do that, what happens is, you know, t today, I mean, and it was that way too way back when. This is just how human beings think. You know, you realize that most things you sell, they need about three to 30 different touch points before they'll buy anything, depending on the price point. So if you're buying a, if you're in the market for a brand new car, a luxury car, you know, you might go to the Lexus dealer, you might go to the Mercedes dealer, you might go to a Tesla dealer, okay? And then, you know, you check them all out, you talk to them. So if you're the Tesla dealer, you don't expect to sell the car the first day somebody walks in the door. Uh, in fact, I can tell you that Tesla, it's, uh, I think they have something on there where they basically take them like five to different. This is why a lot of the Tesla dealers are not in 
like a uh, you know most car dealers are way out like 20 30 miles away from somewhere but a lot of tesla dealers are actually in a mall where you know it's strictly designed for you to kind of check out the car at your lunch hour whatever because they understand that it takes like 30 different price you know touch points for them to actually you know think about buying it right so you know, the idea is that you need get used to the idea that they're going to check you out. They're going to want to get to know you. They're going to, you know, they're going to want to, they really want to fall in love with you before they buy anything. And if you talk about, you know, me, me, me all the time, uh, if you talk about how great you are all day long and you don't ask, ask them how they are or, you know, any, you don't know anything about them, you're not going to get that sale. It, the competition is way tough. Um, so... The example I gave you earlier about making that customer the center of your world, right now, go to your website. Anybody who's in business right now, go to your website and look at how many words like I or we, like we're the fourth generation jewelers or, you know, we specialize in this and we do that. You know, delete all those we words, delete all those I words from your website. You know, try to put it in the you know, the customer's point of view, you know, you, you, you might say something like if you've been looking for, you know, a great, um, you know, company that's been in the business forever, you know, you've come to the right place. Um, you might be surprised to find out that, you know, that our company has been around here for four generations, which makes you, you know, uh, which gives you a little confidence that we're not a fly, fly by night. So again, like all these little subtle hints of making people feel like they've come to the right place, they made the right choices, you know, right from the get-go. So um, I think that, you know, thinking about that is, um, I think making that customer your center, center of your world, really, really falling in love with your customer, falling in love with their problems, and falling in love with the process of helping them, you know, solve their problems. When you do all that stuff, uh, the money will come. I told you before, I was going to be happy with two thousand bucks a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I could live on that today. Mm-hmm. But um, the money came. Um, I mean, after the first hundred million, I didn't even, you know, I don't even count the money. Right. Right. It's, it's not important to me. It, what's important to me is the process of just enjoying life and you know doing all the right things for all the right reasons. Right. Your life as an author. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell yeah, me about, I love that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah so um, I've always wanted to write that, you know, I'm an avid reader. Uh, that's the one thing a lot of people don't know about me is, like this year, 2021, is has been a tough year for me uh, in terms of reading, but I typically go through about 50 books a year. And um, so, you know, I'm an avid reader, and at one day I was just getting so bored about just meeting a lot of the same authors all the time. And I was flying to Hong Kong or something. It's like a 13 and a half hour flight. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've always wanted to tell my story and not my personal story, but a story about like this young girl, like, you know, pretty much experiencing the world for the first time, all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to write that story, but I thought, you know, English is my second language. And, um, you know, I'm just not sure if anyone's going to read my book, but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to write the book for myself. So I wrote this book. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I actually left HSN because my uh, contract was up. I had, I had about two 10-year contracts that, that expired. I didn't want to do another 10 years because, you know, um, it was just too many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I left and I wrote a science fiction called Shattered Sky. And it's a story about a young girl that lives on a very tiny island. 
Um, it, it's really the most known thing about this island is a lot of sh ships have wrecked around there and, you know, people kind of ended up there. So this particular island has a lot of nationalities, people from all over the world. Like when they get shipwrecked, they just like stay there and marry the local people. So um, she basically, her father dies, her sister gets kidnapped, and then she then has to go out of this little island and start looking for her you know, her sister. So the father was dead. I said, you know, she's looking for the sister. And so, you know, this girl comes to all these places around the world, wherever she's going to, with no political bias, no real ideas of anything. You know, she's kind of grew up in a bubble. And um, so it was my way of telling the story about, you know, what's, what's going on in the world and how, how like an alien might see it. So I wrote the book. Then when I um, presented it, it's just like, it's just like coming home I went to um, like a writers conferences, writers conventions, and just like I told my first, you know, jewelry people, like I don't know what I'm doing. I've never, you know, designed jewelry before. Well, I went to the conventions and I told people, all the agents and publishers attending it, you know, I'm a jewelry designer. I've never written a blog. I've never written a book. I've never written anything before. I have no reason to think my book is going to sell. So I'm not trying to sell my book. I just want some feedback. You know, if you can indulge me with just, just even like two minutes of feedback, I'd really appreciate it. But here's what my book is about. So lo and behold, though, um, I think eight out of ten agents that were in attendance at that conference said, you know, when you, get, when you finish your book um, – call me. You know, I can't guarantee that it's going to sell, but call me because that book is right on trend. It's, it's, it's a kind of exciting. Uh, it deals with, you know, climate change. It deals with a lot of, uh, you know, political turmoils that um, happens without actually addressing any politics. So um, I, I told him, you know what, this may take like six years. I mean, it may take six months. I don't know. But I mean, my first draft is done. But remember, like I'm second English is my second language is going to take forever. Well, when he when they when I got that kind of feedback, I went back and kind of finished it like within within a couple of months, and then I went to New York and I presented it, you know, to another conference. This is a much more uh, selective conference, and um, I met with um, in that conference we had like Harper Collins, Random House, a lot of the uh, big houses were there, and some of those people actually recognized me from TV, and they were like, "Well, why aren't you writing a how-to book?" you know, or a memoir, because that would be such a no-brainer. I mean, your story's incredible. You've, you know, really dreamt the impossible, and you're living the impossible dream. And um, and you've sold to 15 million people. It's like a real no-brainer. You know, I mean, even if just 10 million people buy it, or even a million, I mean, you, this is like a no-brainer. So they told me to write the how-to book. And at that point, I was like, mm, I don't know. You know, first of all, my life is really boring because I've lived there. I don't really think my life is that exciting. And I told him, look, you know, if I wrote a memoir, I could maybe write two or three chapters, but the rest of it would be just filler. And I don't want, I don't want, any, I don't want to waste anybody's time, you know, writing fillers. And um, when it comes to how to, I'm just not sure that whatever it is that I did would actually work for other people. And I don't want people to get false hopes that, you know, they're going to end up with, you know, multi-million dollars following my advice. So I said no to either, you know, both of them. I focused on my, on my science fiction. Then COVID hit. Then I was like, you know, um, I was having a Zoom conference with somebody one day, and a lot of my friends were like, you know, Vic, you should write a book. You know, you have all this time. 
and people need, you know, inspiration and advice. And I'm like, I don't want to be an inspiration for anybody, you know, <laughs> um, because inspiration. Well, first of all, Otis, inspiration doesn't do anything without action. So I was like, I don't want to be an inspiration for anyone. I want to be the cause of actions that people can take. But I don't want them to be simply inspired and just, you know, not doing anything. So I wasn't going to do anything. And then at the end of the Zoom call, one of my very best friends said, you know what, Vic, why are you so selfish? Like, what have you got to lose? You know, just tell people what you've done, what you can do, and how you can help them. And if somebody doesn't like it, too bad. If some people, you know, but if, even if one person becomes a millionaire by listening to you, that would have been worth it. So then I started writing the how-to book. And that, both books will be released in 2022. But, um, and then I started the podcast, you know, called Million Dollar Passions, so yeah. that I could, uh, so what I'm doing now is um, I do a lot of uh, free webinars. I took the, like the six key things you really have to master for entrepreneurs to go from like seven figures to eight figures. I've done nine figures. Awesome. But that journey, you know, understanding how to tell your story, understanding how you tell your customers why you do what you do without sounding like you're, you know, a stuck up, condescending person. Right. Um, yes, you know, yes. and how to yes. really get out of your own way. Like, um, there is a great, I, I live by these two quotes. Um, Maya Angelou's quote is just absolutely amazing because, you know, as a, as a minority female coming to this country back in 1971, I mean, That's they correct. weren't very kind to females or minorities back then or immigrants. Um, so, you know, I understand how it feels when people who are not authentic try to make you feel bad or try to make themselves elevated, you know, over and above you. But the other thing um, that I love is a um, very little known quote by Nelson Mandela. And that it, a lot of people focus on all the other stuff that he said. But this one thing he said I really resonated with me. And this quote um, is, he said something, during an interview, he said something like, you know, it all seemed impossible until it is done. And so when you put that into context with someone who was basically carrying out a life sentence, okay, he served 30 years. And this was, this quote was happening right around, you know, Mm -hmm. after 30, right about 30 year, 30 year mark. He said, it all seems impossible until it's done. That's right. all of you entrepreneurs listening, think about it this way, okay? If you think something is impossible, you can't compete with the big guys, you can't compete with the Coca-Cola, or you can't compete with whoever, and, or it's impossible. You know, I'm working, uh, you know, 50 hours a week, and, you know, uh, I'm still not making money, and, you know, customers don't know me. You know, uh, nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows that my story exists. All this stuff happens. When you listen to Mandela's quote, um, how... It all seemed impossible until it's done. That means, you know, not getting it done is not an option. <laughs> you know, not getting it done is not an option. Right. You need to get it done. Get and it if done, you think about, it. you know, think about what, you, so you better get moving. I yep. mean, you know, and yeah, you're going to make some mistakes. Things aren't going to always happen your way, but you're going to learn something. So there are no failures. It's going to be a great lesson. As long as you manage those mistakes and you manage those lessons, you know, you're going to rise to the top. Just don't ever give up and uh, don't ever doubt yourself. I know that um, 
that's easier said than done because the one thing I'll tell you that is really working against all the entrepreneurs today is that I, I didn't have this before, you know, when I was starting out, is that today you got so many experts on TV, on, you know, on the internet telling you that if you don't have some sneak new whatever, like, you know, you're not going to, you know, succeed or, uh, you're not good enough because, you know, um, you know, you got to get degrees or you're not good enough because, you know, you got to have a massive following. All this stuff, um, happens, you know, listen, um, all these experts, they're not experts in anything. <clears throat> you're your own expert. You know what you can do. You know, I have a friend who now has like 17 million followers and she started with 37 people on YouTube, 37. Okay, she wow. never gave up. And, you know, you keep doing it at one point. You are going to hit that tipping point where things happen. You know, nobody's born with 17 million followers. Nobody's born with anything. You want to have people that are loyal to you, who connect with you at an emotional level, who love you because you love them. I'd rather have, you know, 200 customers than 20,000 followers who don't engage with you. Right. So, you know, think about... Um, you're good enough. You know, all of us were born with every single thing we need to succeed in our own way. And and I just want to uh, leave you with this one last thought, which is the word success. Um, and I should have actually started my, my talk with this, this thought, but, you know, it's coming at the end. Um, the word success, where I come from, um, my, I'm not sure if this is a Korean thing or it's uh, where my little village that we came from, but my parents and my grandmother, uh, on, you know, everybody has always said this, that in, so in my family, when we have our birthday celebrations, we have the, the birthday table, the Korean t- table has um, things that are meaningful. Uh, it's a success table, let's put it this way. And that table has things that symbolize all the things you need to be successful, the first thing is um, health. First thing in that spectrum is health. So without health, all the success doesn't matter, and you're not going to get successful if you're sick all day. Um, so first thing is health. Second thing is uh, wisdom. And so it's not necessarily intelligence, but wisdom to know what's right, what's wrong, what's good for you. You know, just common sense kind of thing, you know, having that wisdom to, you know, know uh, when to do something and when to not. Um, see, so you got the health and the wealth, and then you, the, and then you have the quality of your relationships with their loved ones. So you know, quality of, uh, relationship with your children, with your you know parents, with your spouse, all those things actually matter a lot in in that spectrum. And then uh, the fourth thing is longevity of life, because you know if your life gets cut short, it impacts everybody else, you know, uh, your loved ones and and your own. You don't get to really enjoy it. And then lastly, you have wealth. So. Success is a balance where you have all those things uh, equally important at the same time. So, and this is why I started my company. I wanted to be present for my parents, you know, who had worked two jobs each. I mean, I rarely saw them. They worked like crazy hours, you know, and manual labor too. From um, My mom had never worked until she landed here in America, and then she started like working in a sewing factory and all this stuff. So... um, if you follow that ladder of, you know, uh, you know, personal relationships, your health, all these other things, you can think uh, with a lot more clarity and 
But trust me, when you do the first four things, the money comes. The money actually just comes all by itself. Like right now, I'm speaking with you. Um, you know, my business is now 65% internet. You know, the money is coming 24 hours a day where I'm sleeping or where I'm on vacation. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag about myself. I'm just saying that when you do all these other things right, the money will come. But if you only chase the money, um, you might not be very healthy. You might, you know, you might get divorced. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, your parents might never see you, which is a shame. So, you know, try to work on that health, the, you know, all these other stuff first. And you might, you might be surprised that, you know, the other thing too is like, if you know, if you have, if your life is so good that you're healthy and you can go and go get a job, you can go get third, fourth job if you actually have to. And you know for a fact that no matter what happens, you know, your spouse is never ever going to leave you. You know, he or she's going to be right by your side the whole time, lifting you up and your friends, everyone's going to lift you up. And then, um, you know, basically, and you have the wisdom to understand that you can make a lot of decisions with confidence. You know, yeah. a lot of decisions you, you make could be made with a lot of confidence knowing that you have their support. So I feel like in America, uh, you know, a lot of people who, you know, sort of strive to be successful, try to for the money and the fame first. I would say try it my way and see what happens. I've got you. Well, this has definitely been an inspirational video uh, recording podcast. I'm saying video because I'm so inspired here, both uh, informative and emotionally. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being a guest on OLWJ Captivation. And uh, the things that you have achieved are quite amazing, uh, very much so. Um, and I wish you continued success in all that you do. And I sincerely hope that someone is inspired by this podcast episode. Yeah, you know, uh, all of you are invited to come to uh, my website. Um, it's victoriawick.com. It's V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A, uh, W-I-E-C-K.com. Um, and, you know, anybody who wants to be, if you're already inspired now, not just by me, but everybody else Otis has brought before me, um, you know, his guests, they, they can all inspire you. But if you want to start to take action that's meaningful to improve your life, like right now, I've got, um, you know, like at the six different pillars you have to master before you can really, be, you know, kind of upscale your, your business. It's all free. It's all free. Like, I don't really need to make money off of anybody today. Uh, that's the last thing I need to do. Um, and so, but the thing is, a lot of those um, webinars are, they kind of fill up pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, I, I do spend quite a bit of time uh, answering. If you're already in business, I mean, so many of the people that's, you know, attended my webinars, you know, they'll tell you that they've already like two, three, five times their profit level. So just come to the website and um, you'll get some real advice from somebody who's actually really done it, not somebody who's only coached forever or talked about it. <laughs> so okay, come to that. Um, you know, Otis, have you noticed that I found this really interesting that so many people that I get are people that are currently in some mastermind that they paid like $25,000 to. They're asking these questions that should have completely been answered by the mastermind. 
um, you know, you're like, what are you guys learning out there? So you know, I find there's so many people that are coaching or writing books. I mean, when I was uh, doing competitive uh, titles for my book, I found out that a lot of these people, the startup kind of business books, the top 10, there's not one that's actually done by a real life entrepreneur. You know, it's like a professor, uh, there was a reporter, uh, there is like uh, some guy who's always coached, um, and you're like, where are none they? None of them really know the pain <laughs> of having, uh, yeah, I mean, that, none that's of true. them really know the pain of having a small business. You, you know, you're like, because, let me tell you something, it's not, you, because when you're, look, when you're writing like uh, articles for papers and things like that, you're writing mostly statistics. You're not writing like real pain. You, you don't understand that. You don't understand what it feels like to, you know, have to call your landlord and say, you know, um, you know, I can't continue paying this rent forever. You know, I'm not getting traction. You know, is there anything you can do to cut my space in half? I mean, I've had to do that. Right. My first office was 300 square feet, 300 square feet. It's like smaller than a bathroom, you know? <laughs> so they don't yes. understand the pain. Um, they don't understand, you know, and so I've, that's why I started coaching because the last thing I wanted to do is do that. But I was like, you know what? Like somebody needs to straighten these things out and let people know, you know, what they can do, like, you know, for, really for, for themselves like right now today. So um, my hope is that all of you who listen to this episode, like I said, I don't want to be an inspiration. I want to be the cause of action. Thanks again, Victoria, for being a guest on OLWJ Captivation. It has been an honor to have you here on the podcast. Hopefully, the audience has enjoyed it. The end of this episode of OLWJ Captivation has come. For you to become more involved in what I do, visit my website at www.olwjboundless.com. Here, you can read my blog or subscribe to the mailing list. Also, follow me on Twitter at OLWJ Boundless. Follow me on Instagram at O underscore Wilson underscore Jr. Les Brown once said, it's okay to fail. Because if you land on your back, that means that you can look up and then get up. Until next time, my friends, take care.